Thank you, John. Good morning. It's good to see my, I have my mother here and my brother here today. It's always good to have family with you at church. And since my, big, my older brother is here, if you have any problems with anything I say, take it up with him. <laughs> if you look in the bulletin, it says I'm going to be speaking on God's grace. And earlier in the week, that would have been true. But there's been a few kind of few changes and I'm going to be kind of more focusing on um, our labor in the workplace. And I guess you could title this God's grace in the workplace. But I believe I have a message that is for anyone who has a job, chores, errands to run, daily tasks. Maybe you're a student with homework. All those monotonous things in life that we that may seem boring that we need a little extra motivation to do, I think I have a message for you. I hope that I can give you that little extra motivation today. Now, before I start, I have to say that this, this uh, sermon was influenced by a pastor by the name of Adrian Rogers. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Adrian Rogers, Adrian Rogers was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention in the late 70s, during the 80s, and I think maybe even the 90s. He was president three different times. And I, I, I discovered Adrian Rogers through his ministry called Love Worth Finding. And I found that on Bot Radio, which is 88.9 is the, at least the station I listen to. So I have to give him some credit because he definitely had in, an influence on this sermon and gave me some of the ideas that I'm going to be speaking on. I would also encourage any of you to listen to Bot Radio because it's full of great sermons and, and uh And I enjoy doing I like to listen to it while I do the dishes, because, again, I need a little extra motivation to get those dishes done. Now, we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. I mean, that's that's kind of the focal point of of my sermon. Now, a proverb is a short sentence based on long experience and perceived truth. That's kind of like the definition of what a proverb is. But these short sentences are based on something better than long experience. They're based on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as given to Solomon. So Proverbs 14, verse 23. In all labor, there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Now, I'm going to be focusing on the first part of this proverb in all labor, there is profit. Another translation says, in all toil, there is profit. Now, think about that. In all labor, there is profit. This should change the way we think and view work. You see, so many people are sick and tired of what they do. I feel that at times. I mean, they endure their work. They don't enjoy their work. They think their job is meaningless. They think that some people have happy jobs, some people have exciting work, some people have fun work, some people have thrilling work, but not me. They simply just are earning a salary, nothing more, nothing less. People wake up in the morning, they bathe, or at least I hope they do because I work with middle school students. They don't always bathe. Shave, maybe do their hair, have a cup of coffee. Wake their kids up, 
Then they rush out the door because they're running late because one of their children can never find their shoes. Experience. Only to find themselves behind the school bus that stops at every house. Then when they get to work, they do do their thing. It's the same old thing day after day. They come home, they might watch some TV, putter around the house, have a meal, and then it's off the bed. Next day, same old grind. Nothing exciting, nothing meaningful, nothing thrilling. It just seems to be the same old thing every day. Now, we love God and want to serve God, right? Because we feel like that is the meaningful work of life, is serving God. However, we get this idea the only time we can serve God is when we're not working at our normal job. If we want to serve God, we, we serve in the church. We do God's work at the church, right? We have this idea that I'm not serving God through my normal work, so I want to work a little less so I can do some more of that meaningful work where I can serve God. I'm doubt, I doubt I'm alone in this thinking that I want to work a little less at my normal job, so maybe then I can serve God more. Some of you may have had that idea. There is a fault in this thinking, of course. Because this line of thinking, we give, we're giving our best time really to our employer, you know, Monday through Friday or whatever your job hours are. And then in a sense, we're giving the leftovers to God. We might be giving God the weekends. We're kind of serving God part-time. It's not even really part-time because we're giving the best time to our, our boss. And this leads us to serving two masters. And, of course, Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. That's Matthew 6.24. And I believe that there are some of you who are sitting here listening to me, perhaps most of you, are as guilty as me as wanting your work to feel more meaningful. I hope to show you that your labor is meaningful. Remember, in all labor, there is profit. Now, you may be like me, a very ordinary person. You may think there's nothing exciting about you. There's definitely really nothing exciting about me, other than my pink shirt. But God loves ordinary people. God loves the average Joe. He made most of us that way. Isn't that right? God must love average Joes since he made so many of them. God makes ordinary people and they're his handiwork. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26. I'll kind of show you that God calls ordinary people. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. So here here Paul is saying, look, not many of you are are wise. Not many of you are powerful. Not many, many of you are of noble birth. You see, God calls and uses ordinary people. But here's the secret. God takes ordinary people and he gives them extraordinary power. God gives us his Holy Spirit. So we're no longer ordinary. When we get saved, we become extraordinary in his sight. So God takes ordinary people and gives ordinary people extraordinary power. 
But guess what he does? He puts these ordinary people with extraordinary power in ordinary places. He put me at East Lynn as a school teacher, and he's placed you guys in different places. So here are ordinary people, if saved, that have extraordinary power in ordinary places doing extraordinary things. Now, me and my wife, Katie, we've, we've talked about and discussed missions before, and, and we've, we've had these thoughts of, if I can only get out of our jobs, we could, you know, we maybe serve God full time. Have you ever thought something like that? After listening to a missionary, probably on the drive home, you talk about, well, what if that was us? Wouldn't it be great to serve God through your occupation and work alongside godly people? Well, I'm here, I'm here today to tell you that if you are saved and living in the spirit, you are serving God full time. I don't care if you're a farmer, construction worker, nurse, retired, stay-at-home mother, a teacher. Your work is important because it's your witness. God, God's word says all labor is profitable. You may not have an exciting job. Maybe you're a paper pusher. Or a cashier. But God has placed you there for a reason. You don't have to be a pastor or a missionary to have your labor serve God. I'm going to use Daniel kind of as one of my illustrations this morning. Think of Daniel. If you will remember, Daniel was taken, he was taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar and carried off to Babylon. And while he was in Babylon, Daniel had a secular job. Daniel's job was a governmental bureaucrat. They trained him and pressed him into service for the government. While he was serving as the government, Daniel was still serving the Lord. I don't want you to get the idea that Daniel was a pastor or a priest because he wasn't. Daniel was what we would call today basically was a businessman. He was doing ordinary work. Now, most of us know that Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. If you've attended Sunday school for any length of time, you've probably heard the story. But I want you to notice what the king says when Daniel was in the lion's den. If you remember, Daniel refused to do certain things while he was in Babylon, and they threw him into the lion's den as a sort of punishment. And the lions got lockjaw, kind of came like, you know, cuddly little stuffed animals for, for Daniel. But look at what the king says to, to Daniel. And I'm going to be reading Daniel 6, verse, chapter 6, verse 20. As he, as he, the king, came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, now listen, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? The king called Daniel a servant of the living God. Now, now what I'm trying to say is that an unsaved king understands that Daniel, through his work and labor in a secular world, is serving God. What a testimony. Our everyday work is a way of serving the Lord. If you are allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you, and are doing your work in the name of Jesus, you are serving the Lord. You may think your job's not important. Doesn't matter what I do. Nobody knows what I do. Nobody cares what I do. 
but you're wrong. God knows all about you. And there is, in all labor, there is profit. So even those dishes that I do. I ask this question all the time. Why am I a teacher? Why am I a teacher? I deal with middle school students, so I ask that question a lot. A lot. Why am I a teacher? But I think we all ask similar questions in our different lines of occupations. I've had previous jobs. I'm, I'm blessed to work in a, a job that where I work with a lot of godly people. A lot of my coworkers are godly people. But I've worked in jobs where that wasn't the case. And I, I remember thinking things like this. It sure be nice to work in a Christian company. It sure would be nice to be surrounded by Christians. I'm tired of all these worldly influences. Surely God doesn't want me in a place like this. Would God want me surrounded by all this negativity and cursing? Where the only time I hear God's name is when it's used in vain? If God would only get me out of this place, I could serve him. I remember having thoughts like that in previous jobs and employment. But listen to me. God put you in that place to serve him. Look at Daniel. Was Daniel called to Babylon? No, God put him in Babylon. We hear about calling from time to time, call to be a pastor, maybe a cause of the mission field. And I think those callings can be very real. But sometimes we fall into the trap of thinking, if God would only call me. We sometimes think, I'm just where I'm at because I'm a victim of my circumstances. I only took this job because it's the only one I could get. I have no sense of calling. It's just something I do because, well, I have to pay the bills. I have to live. I have to eat. The truth is, God may have very well placed you where you are for a specific reason. Let me ask you a question. Was Daniel a servant of God? I would say yes, very much so. Um, Did he serve God in Babylon? Yeah, Daniel served God while I was in Babylon. Was Daniel where God wanted him? I believe so. How did Daniel get there? By circumstances beyond his control. He was picked up by King Nebuchadnezzar and he was brought in to Babylon as an exile into a very dark and wicked place. You might not realize that God has placed you where you are to let your, for your light to shine in the darkness, as Daniel did in his work as a bureaucrat. Matthew 5.14 says, you are, you are a light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Remember that. You are a light into this dark world. And you may work in a dark place, but you are the light. But how often do we say, God, I want to get out of Babylon. Lord, I just want to do something for you. I want to get away from these worldly influences. Well, God's plan for you is not that you flee from the world. God's plan for you is that you confront the world and that you overcome the world and witness to the world. Jesus said, and this is this is in Jesus' prayer in um, John 17, 15, 7, 15. He's praying for his disciples and his believers. Jesus says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. God's plan is that you, that you are not taken out of the worldly environment, but that you live a good Christian life in it. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 21. We're not to flee from the world. We're to confront the world. God has placed you in Babylon. As God put Daniel in Babylon and you are to serve the Lord as Daniel did by your witness. In all labor, there is profit. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you can do everything in Babylon. That doesn't mean that when you're in Babylon, do as the Babylonians do. Jesus said, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. There were certain things in Babylon that Daniel refused to do. And that's what got him thrown into the lion's den, got him persecuted. And there are going to be some things in your occupations that you may have to refuse to do. But that's what's going to make you distinctively different. And that's what's going to make your witness so effective. We serve by being a light in the places we work. In our labor, we serve the Lord and represent him. When people at work are griping and bellyaching, you can be there with the light of the Lord upon your face. Because honestly, I don't think most people are going through their workday really thinking that much on eternal matters. Most people aren't going through the workday thinking on heaven and hell. They're really, what are they thinking about? How to get through their day. And if they see you there with, with the joy of the Lord in your labor, they're going to think, what's up with that guy? What a witness. The last thing I want to do is ask this question, and then I'll finish up. Let me ask you this question. Who was the first farmer? Think about it. Many of you might say Adam was the first farmer, but you'd be wrong. If you want to find out who the first farmer was, turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. It says, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. The first farmer was God. Now, that tells me that farming is an honorable occupation. Now, God planted the first garden, and then he turned it over to Adam. In verse 2.15, let me turn there. Verse uh, 2.15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So God placed Adam into the garden to work it and keep it. Now, the reason I point this out is we often think that work is one of the curses of the fall. But God gave Adam work to do before he had ever sinned. He made him caretaker of the world. Now, our labor is harder after the fall. But, the, but work is not a curse from God, but a gift. And God places us ordinary people in ordinary places with extraordinary power to be a light for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we love you and and we want to serve you. We thank you for the opportunities that you have presented us in our lives in order to serve you and, and be a witness for you. 
I just I pray that you use me today and my words as, as an encouragement to everyone here. I just pray as we go about our daily tasks that our witness will bring a light into this dark world. In your name I pray. Amen.